Welcome to the Star Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, visit innermakeup.net. And I'm very excited today to have Six. Six is a Miami-based astrologer, intimacy doula, and human sexuality doctoral student that promotes self excuse me I'm so sorry <laughs> promotes sex positivity and self explorations six offers workshops consultations and partnerships that encourage individuals to seek obtain and maintain meaningful relationships and realizations you can go to her website which is blackwomencry.com and a lot more i mean she has an amazing social media presence on twitter uh, instagram some great videos on youtube so check all that out. So Six, welcome. How is it going today? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a beautiful day. I'm very, I'm feeling a much lighter because uh, Saturn just went into Aquarius and I'm like, oh. Yes. And you know what? That's okay. We're definitely, that's on the rap sheet to talk about. So I wanted to get your take on that because I saw you tweeting out about that. So we'll... Well, we could just, why don't we, let, let's, let's try to stick to the plan because I, because <laughs> if we get off track with me, we're never going to get back on track. And that, and that is Saturn and Aquarius, right? We need to have the discipline yes. to be here now so we can get to the future that we want, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's, okay. So your website is Black Women Cry. How did you come up with the name Black Women Cry? So I think emotions and my blackness and my presentation of femininity in this world have always been huge themes. Um, I remember when I was younger, whenever I would cry, people would tell me, oh, you're crying crocodile tears. And I think mm. that the society doesn't register the emotions of black people, specifically black queer people, black women, and just anyone who like exudes some type of feminine energy as a black person. So I really... In the process of wanting to do astrology and wanting to do all this healing work, I wanted it to be known that my this whole inspiration, everything that I am, is for black women, and it's in honor of black women. Um, I'm a Cancer Moon, so mm -hmm. really, it's honoring my mom too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, you know, because there be all people of different levels listening to this, but cancer is certainly the sign of emotion and feel, but also the need to protect those emotions, the idea of the hard outer shell and the soft interior. So that, and the, the ability, you know, when I think of cancer, I, it's about feeling your way into the future. Because if you think about it, the cancer, the crab does have to move on, but it's sort of floating along in those natural emotive cycles, right? No, absolutely. One way yeah. that um, one of my friends recently pointed out, she was like, cancers, their emotions are a journey. Like every mm. emotion that they feel is literally a journey and a transition. Mm. So it's not just eating food and like soothing yourself through food. It's mm. like literally like going in and experiencing the complexities and the, I don't know, the nuance of food and the nuance emotions mm. that foods bring up for you mm. and even i would just say like just in continuation about cancer because um cancer is ruled by the moon and it finds mm -hmm. itself in the fourth house one thing i found with a lot of cancer people a lot of cultural pride a lot of cultural pride mm. a lot of pride in their families not obviously not all cancers because the energy is going to express itself differently depending on your chart but i definitely see this um theme of celebrating heritage as a part of cancer energy mm, very interesting well you know that now that i'm thinking about it, that makes sense because definitely we associate either the fourth house or sign or cancer with roots and ancestry 
um, and, and even graves and cemeteries. So, but then, you know, the interesting thing is some of my other studies of astrology, there's actually deep treasure there, you know, that it can be the part of the chart that's treasure. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we're from your work where, you know, there's deep emotional treasure to be gained when you go there. I, I try to go there. I mean, I'm, <laughs> Sorry. I'm working on a third degree to be able to go there with people. Like, uh, it's uh. just very interesting, too, because, like, to get a doctoral degree in human sexuality, don't have it yet, but working towards it. It's going to be so exciting because I don't think people, like you were saying, realize how the things you do to pri- in private are literally reflections of your conscious reality, in my opinion. Oh, yes. And I, you know, wow. Okay, let me, I'm going to make a note to that because that's a big point. I wasn't sure we were going to talk about, but we'll get back to that. But, you know, could you, I want to talk about, I mean, it's, no, 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 I know there's, this is what always happens. There's so much to talk about and that becomes revealed in the interview. But, okay, so let's dial it back. What was your first exposure to astrology? Oh, gosh, my mom was always telling me to stay away from Virgo men in particular. (laughs) Well, like, the, you, you, all right, you just ran into one, okay? I'm a Virgo, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, hope, I, hope she, I hope she's not right, okay? Like, the thing is, it's so funny because it's like she, like, before I even knew what astrology was and like understood it, it was a strong disdain towards Virgo. So it's like when I started dating, I'm like, ooh, Virgo, ooh, naughty. And then I'm like, oh no, I understand. It's not that my mom was bitter; it's that she probably got her heart broken. Right. <laughs> No. Well, what I mean, what, we don't but, have to go down whole family. Tree. What what sign was your mom? Why do you think that she had an aversion to Virgo men? You know what? It might just be Virgo energy as a collective. She's a Leo sun, mm-hmm. so I I think it's I I think it's that Virgos sometimes when they feel like they can't bring their A game. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. If intimidation is the word but they take space kind of like pisces does and ghost without necessarily communicating that or if they feel like they know the outcome of how something's going to play out i think that they just choose to go down a certain path that like Mm -hmm. you know makes them disappear and Mm -hmm. i think for any leo person that is extremely frustrating because while leo people don't want to admit that they want the attention all the time (laughs) <laughs> they need, they literally get that energy from that attention. So Virgo, Leo could be a difficult match. But yeah, so it's like my mother, like she, astrology was a part of the conversation okay. since I was a child. Wow. I didn't understand the nuance of the conversation of astrology until I finished grad school. And mm. that was 2018. Wow. You know, it's interesting. You made me think of the great astrologer, Isabel Hickey. She passed away in the early 80s, but she used to talk about Virgo. And I had to take this lesson to heart. I mean, it's the heart. You know, Leo can lead by heart a little more easily because the sun rules Leo. But Virgos, it's a little trickier to learn how to, you know, lead with the heart. So there can be the perfectionist tendencies. As you said, there can be the ghosting you know, Virgos maybe aren't quite as good at taking the space as Leos do, but then Virgos still need the space because it's like the perfectionist tendencies, maybe the self-criticism that needs to be validated by the space, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so I just absolutely. I just hope your mom's not right about me. <laughs> no, because I definitely think and I so I don't use the terms evolved or unevolved because I feel like it's a little elitist and ridiculous. But I definitely think mm-hmm. that there's like, you know, when you're kind of in your waking path, you're aware of maybe like the traits that are less becoming or you're kind of cognizant of like all that you bring into a space and when you're like walking through your waking path life as opposed to maybe your sleeping path where you're choosing not to be cognizant and aware of the Mm. traits and all that you bring into a room then you're working with two different virgos energies like i think virgo is one of my favorite energies because there are very few signs that really sit down and they're like i genuinely want to service others and not only do i want to service others and give to others but i want to I want to do the critical critique. Like I Mm want to do the constructive criticism. And I feel like while people may like how cancer energy like dotes on them and hugs them and coddles them, I feel like cancer knows how to detach themselves to give the insight and advice that people really need to hear. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because I – this is what I always do, which I think is good, but I um, I actually listen to people forget what I was going to say. I'm like, wow, you're going on this whole line of cancer. It's pretty amazing. Um, oh, yeah. The thing, the, the thing that you made me think, yeah, you know, I was on an astrology forum the other day and somebody, it was a fellow astrologer, and he was saying, look, I've got so much to review with clients and sometimes they just get talking and this and that. And I was just saying, like, look, you know, people, they have to talk and let it out. You got to get it talking. And, you know, like that, everybody from Freud to, like, modern marketing theorists, like, you you get a little bit of a high off of talking about yourself. So I was just saying, like, look, you know, hey, there's validity in just the talking career. You got to let people talk. And then that can open up things anyway. And all these other people were jumping him. They were like, well, if you do this, then you're not evolved to this point. And, and you're right. It can get very elitist. Like, oh, if you're here, then, you know, you're not evolved to this point. And, you know, the interesting thing is I wanted to dovetail off of something you were saying before, as far as something, the idea that our own emotions or our internal world is actually being reflected in external reality. Right? You were something you were saying like that? Um, yes. Okay. So the way that I look. So people often ask me, um, how do you read for sex? Like, how, like, is it that there's a separate birth chart or like, is there a house that you focus on? Oh God, I wish I had the book and like arm's length, but there is a book that talks about this way of reading the birth chart, but you just read the entire birth chart. You understand that there, there is only one you that goes into the world and that you changes and expresses itself differently right. depending on the social situation. So, right. for example, if I'm reading your first house, second house, third house, I'm going to be reading first house, how you present to yourself to the world, how you may come off to the world in ways that other people may perceive you but you don't pick up on. Second house, your values, your possessions, maybe like the things that you keep around your house or keep with you, the sentimental things that are important to you. And then third house, how you kind of choose to express yourself, like kind of mm. like now we're like putting in maybe the free will of it all as mm-hmm. opposed to like the first house that I think 
think is sometimes things people don't realize. Mm. And then you can easily translate that to first house, you're rising, your your sex appeal, like what people see in you mm. and automatically go, whoa, like <laughs> what you may be complimented on, what is alluring about you. For second house, it's maybe are you the type of person who wears costumes? Like I mm. think second and third house could really like tell to the type of um, – to the type of lingerie or like mm. things you may have in your arsenal like yeah. um i have mm. let's see what what does my house look like i have a sagittarius second house so i mm. really am like anything goes with my sex toys like <laughs> i just have a bunch of random things i've accumulated over the years things that may not have potentially been for sexual play that could be for sexual play mm. um and then when you get to that third house it's really then to me how you can claim and reclaim your sexuality if you're in a need to reclaim. But then that um, that method can be used and applied to every single house. And of course, when you get to the more traditional sex houses, like the fifth house of pleasure, that's where maybe you would see where someone's like mindless, like mindless or like like just free flowing. Um, mm free-flowing free arousal and pleasure fantasies might be. So if somebody has a fifth house in Aries, maybe they might like get turned on by the concept of wrestling and fighting and aggression and passion <laughs> and slamming mm -hmm. on the walls and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, eighth house, I always look at that as shared resources, intimacy, transformation. Right. And to me, that's the sex that you have with another person and how you want to engage with other people, how you want to start sharing yourself and sharing what you have, sharing your resources with other people. And then the 12th house is like the, I think, hidden desires that people sometimes to admit to themselves maybe they've come across society and society's like oh that's not bad so they might suppress that and put it in the back of their heads mm -hmm. but that's kind of like what i see the 12th house as wow this is great so you know i <laughs> no i mean this is great because i like i again i have different people who you know are sex workers who come to me or people wanting relationship advice all this i don't think too many people are doing the style of chart interpretation you're doing i mean would you say that's a fair statement or or, or maybe i'm just you got to clue me in but like who like i don't see it like sort of the you know the major or whatever um sort of anointed astrology conferences like i don't see i actually there was one um lecture like the history of sexuality i saw at a conference in london but are can you tell us like okay you your website black women cry are there other places where people can go to get this kind of you know um you know astrological wisdom i mean this is really this is unique stuff in my opinion i mean certainly go to your website any other resources for people i really wish I knew the name of that book right now. I'm I'm going to try to look it up. Um, okay. But there is a book that does go in and it breaks down how each house by sign yeah. um, will influence that. But no, so I mean, the way that I read astrology is going to be a little bit different because I'm a modern astrologer. So right. I, I feel like the stuff I do is a, a little bit more on the experimental side. And while I do look to traditional astrology, like I'm one of those people who I don't do modern rulerships. Um, mm hmm like, you know, like I have some things about traditional astrology that I definitely agree with. But I think that and this is no disrespect to any astrologer out here doing the work and doing it well. I, I'm about to go for a doctoral degree in human sexuality. So the right. way that I look at 
sexuality I think maybe a little bit more nuanced mm -hmm. solely because my first degree was psychology biology. So I'm thinking mm. about tribalism and how we as beings like mm -hmm. are cognitively processing information and receiving it mm -hmm. and suppressing it. Like I'm constantly thinking about the subconscious and mm. conscious realities that we're living in. My second degree is social work. So mm -hmm. um, if you read through my stuff, I talk about outer planets a lot. And the reason for that is because regardless of if you believe that the planets have influence of your life or can tell you about the future what they most definitely can do if you are a historian if you're a sociologist if you're an anthropologist you can always look back at different points and know what happened like for example um i think it was the little mermaid who was created during like capricorn ne like neptune capricorn mm, so it's like then you right. can then look at those lessons and learn from them like um tangled and the princess tiana created during um neptune mm, and aquarius wow. so it's like then you can use those outer planets to understand what was going on in the collective society mm -hmm. so then be, having a background in social work obviously like i'm now looking okay so how do our external how do the external factors then influence how we feel and respond sexually mm. respond to ourselves respond in a way that we can understand so there's a whole like cross-cultural component of astrology mm. that i take into consideration because of that degree so when i get the phd and i'm finally dr six i'm <laughs> <laughs> oh man if you can't tell i'm a sagittarian <laughs> i love it you know it's interesting i don't want to go too far into it but i, I just love and we're going to get into one of the essays you wrote that i absolutely love and I, i'm putting it's it's really we're going to get into it but you're basically you're saying in a beautiful way what marsilio ficino the great renaissance magician you know man of many arts but he said the heavens are entirely within so i think that's essentially what you're saying especially through our sexuality that we're expressing the star stuff as carl sagan said and we, if we don't do that through some sort of eroticism or sexuality we're never going to get to it i mean is that a fair statement no, I definitely yes, okay, go ahead. I definitely want to hold space to people who identify as asexual and I'm um, sure, yeah. I you know, like just like acknowledge them, identify them, say that they're valid in their identity and if they have no sexual desire. You know, sexuality is just one way to express it. I feel as though um of course for people who are on that like side of the spectrum who are ace or um eros even if you're not engaging in romance or even if you're not engaging in sexuality, you still have to respond to how society may be sexualizing you. Right. So I do think that there's still something to read, but I just want to acknowledge those people. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, you know, even going back to say somebody like Ficino, I mean, this is a very different time hundreds of years ago, but this, I, you know, honestly, chastity and putting eroticism towards, even if it's totally asexual, there are other ways that it's expressed that we might not view in modern times. Like it's, we do live in a very, you know, hypersexual culture, you know, and there can be positive things about that, negative things, but it's extraordinary when you think of people who are able to, even if it's asexual, I think put those energies into extraordinary creative capacities. Um, although maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, no, you're, I you're agree. The yeah, yeah. 
I definitely agree. Like I, for me, I'm realizing that like just, and just for me, I can't speak to everyone. I realized that once I've kind of like given more space to my sexual energy that I've found it easier to create and write. Like as an astrologer, you really have to understand there's so much creativity and imagination that goes into the work that we do. Like we have to look at the planet and then play out little realities for our clients and imagine like, okay, based off of this person coming to me and this problem and this planet, like how did their childhood look like? And you have to formulate a whole world for them. And I feel like as weird and left as it seems, me tapping into my sexual energy has really helped me with my creative energy and being able to go to that place. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, critically. To, okay, so let, oh man, we're, I love how we're getting off track with this, but let's, so t- talk a little bit about your academic background and what you're working on now. I know you, you briefly said, okay, psychology, biology, social work, you're working on human sexuality. Just t- tell people a little bit about what your academic background has been and where it's going and kind of what you're working on. Of course. So um, in true Cancer Moon in the ninth house fashion, Mm. I was homeschooled my entire life. Okay. Like, and I just feel like that's one of the astrology points in my chart that I'm like, whoa, holy shoot. Oh my God. I stayed at home to learn my whole life. Okay. With that being said, um, when I did go to school, I got a bachelor's of science in psychology and minor in biology. Um, And then I went to grad school in New York. I went to Columbia for a master's in social work. I specialized in contemporary social issues. And my concentration was social enterprise administration. So basically seeing how we can make corporations have a little bit more soul, if you will, like be more cognizant of social, um, corporate social responsibility. Um, I've had a lot of work done um, I've done a lot of work rather in the field of diversity and inclusion. So that's part of my background as well. And now, um, I was just accepted into the California Institute of Integral Studies to, Mm. um, work towards a PhD in human sexuality. I'm really hoping to go to therapy route because I've always wanted to be a sex therapist and we're Mm -hmm. that much close to that happening. Mm. Oh, congratulations. I mean, it's an amazing academic background. Uh, uh, wow. So w- w- when you're, uh, okay, okay, cool. That's amazing. Um, and then also you're an intimacy doula. Could you tell people a little bit about your work in that field? Of course. Um, <laughs> one thing that I really, really have noticed is that a lot of people are engaging in sex, but they're not necessarily engaging in the most healthiest forms of intimacy. Right. And I think that intimacy has to start with you consenting with it occurring. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of people have sex that they don't necessarily want to have. And I'm not talking about sexual assault. I'm talking about people who truly just aren't comfortable, people who feel like they should be doing it because they're supposed to be doing it, that it's their duty, that it, they, I feel like mm. some people to some extent, and of course, depending on um, other mental health things, some people might disassociate through it. And I think that some people, it's like they engage in sex and they don't engage in any form of masturbation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important to be able, 
and just for people to know, just because you don't masturbate doesn't mean that you're not being intimate with yourself, but it is important for people to sit down and really identify, do I feel comfortable with myself? Do I want to look at myself in the mirror when I'm completely nude? Like, do I see the beauty in my body? Am I comfortable with my body? Do I feel comfortable and ready to share all of me to, with somebody else? And I think that when people have sex, sometimes there's so much stuff that's clouding up their head and so many mm. anxieties that are popping up in their head that it's very difficult to enjoy the process. So as an intimacy doula, I sit back and I listen to how people go about intimacy and I mm -hmm. try to help them foster and build a relationship of intimacy with themselves and then grow that intimacy into something they can share with others. Wow, great. So this was another thing I wanted to talk with you about, but some of these deep components of sexuality really tell us so much about ourselves. So what are some, I mean, you touched on it, but what are some common kind of concerns or issues that you're seeing with your clients right now? Um, I think, and I haven't talked about this, so please excuse me for not like fleshing out this thought. Like I had another thought that I was going to say, but this is a thought that I think is very important to say because it's relevant for people of all gender backgrounds, um, and possibly even racial and cultural backgrounds, but issues with power and control. I think that you can't have a culture of Me Too, and you can't have a culture of rape, and you can't have a culture of sexism and expect for people to be able to go into the bedroom and feel completely comfortable doing even exchange. I, I feel like some people, like, we bring, we bring our conscious reality into the room, and it's very important to address that sometimes people don't necessarily feel like they have the most power or control over themselves, or alternately, some people can't relinquish that power and control unless maybe they're engaging in BDSM-like activities where that is something that is much more fleshed over, but for people who may be having vanilla sex, that giving up that power and control, letting your mind go bare, sharing in that intimacy, completely losing yourself in the moment. I think for some people, want, some people may not be ready for that, and that's totally fine. And some people may not know how to operate through that, regardless of the reason. And I think that's fine, too. It's just important to know where you're at and how to move forward. Mm. Wow. So in the context of all that, how do you approach, let's say people are coming in with some of these issues, how do you approach sex positivity with them? I go in with no judgment. Okay. I just go in, like, it's, like, yes, like, we all have our judgments, but I, I think that people, for me, gosh, so I'm one of those people <laughs> that is, like, supposedly, like, the small amount of people who could work with sexual offenders, like, I, I for me, I don't know if I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. but um, because of my personal experiences, just living life and interacting with other people, I, I came to realize how, and this is going to get dark, but I'm a, I'm a Scorpio first house LM, so it always gets mm. dark with me. <laughs> mm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it gets, <laughs> but, um, one of the things that I didn't, I, I came to realize in undergrad was how prevalent child sexual abuse is. And then 
I came to realize how under talked about and under how undervalued conversations around sexual education are. And then when mm. you put that into your head and you imagine someone from that background who might be going into adulthood and trying to navigate it the best that they can. And we've only recently just started having the internet with these like Gen Z or Zenials. Zenials is what I recently heard somebody <laughs> call them. But it's, know, like now, it's hard to know what generation anybody is anymore. It's, like... it's just people be people. But it's like <laughs> if you were part of our generation where the internet came a little bit later and it wasn't always there, then finding that resource to sex education was difficult. So then it's like, I think I know a lot of people mm. who are like, oh, I'm fine. I just let it go. And they don't necessarily do that deep dive to understand how it influences decisions and perspective that they have today. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, I, I, I go through, I go through the sessions being trauma informed, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And that's sure. not to assume that everybody has trauma because that's a slippery and possibly dangerous slope to go down. But it's knowing that in, that trauma takes many different forms. And because trauma takes so many different forms, people may not even recognize their trauma as trauma. And maybe there really are those people who go through life and never had a trauma. I don't think those people exist. I think that in some way, shape, or form, we've experienced trauma. But it's important not to assume people's trauma. So I try to go and listen without judgment. If somebody tells me that they are aroused by consensual, non-consensual, I don't automatically put an assumption on who they are or what they've been through, I let them talk through that process. And I think um, what you were saying earlier with people needing to talk, you are not going to be a good astrologer if you do not know how to let people talk. Right. Like, it's just not going to happen for you. I know. And I felt it's, I just felt bad for this guy because everybody was kind of like jumping him on this. And I was sort of the only one saying, well, no, like just, Hey, it's okay. Let him talk. But it was like sort of going back to the elitism. These people were like, well, you're not at this like seventh level of X. And I'm like, Oh my God. So anyways, wow. So let's see. So uh, this is sort of what I, I guess you would address this before, but you really look at the whole chart. There's no kind of place where you zero in on, I mean, I would say maybe the eighth house is where if there are some deep seated issues, that's where you would go to. But you say you, you kind of look at the chart more holistically, like it's this whole, the whole of the chart. You really have to, because the thing is like, and while I will go through house and house and dig deeper, it's like, you can't, it's kind of like, okay, best example. If somebody comes for, um, let's say, just any type of session, may it be for therapy, et cetera, et cetera, and it's because they're struggling with arousal, if you focus on sex and you focus on that aspect of their life, you could be missing out on a much more nuanced sure. story. And it's kind of like it's kind of like with anything. If you want to understand someone or something, you have to look at it. You have to look at it holistically. Like while there are houses, I, for me personally, and this is going to be a very controversial statement, I don't believe there is one house for sex. I feel like mm. I understand how there became a house for sex, but I would challenge people to sit down and identify that when 
people assign sex to a house, the understanding of sexuality is not as nuanced as it is now. And I think that while we start to have more sex educators in the field, more people going into sex therapy and human sexuality as a field, it's important to partner with those people to then be able to understand how we advance our conversations around sexuality and astrology. I do believe there's a house for intimacy. I do believe there's a house for pleasure. But for sex, I feel like when you put sex in one house, you're really diminishing how large and nuanced the topic is. Wow. Very, very interesting. I mean, and I guess simply put anyway, like if like, okay, you assign something to one house, but then there's still going to be rulerships and aspects Mm -hmm. anyway. So it's not, I mean, regardless of if, you know, let's say people, you know, how they respond to that statement, regardless, I mean, there are still dispositors, there are aspects, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, every, I mean, there's all sorts of things happening anyway. Um, Okay, so one thing that I I love astrologers who, like yourself, you just have this diverse background. Uh, Was there a point at which you were like, okay, wow, I can bring astrology into it, or I see this other work that I've done, and as you said, biology, psychology, social work, and now you're doing a doctorate. Is Is there, was there a point at which you were like, wow, okay, I can bring astrology into this, or astrology is part of this? Was there like an aha moment you had about that? So yes and no, it kind of worked a little bit differently. When I was okay. at when I was fifteen, sixteen, I knew I wanted to be a sex therapist. So the goal has always been to get the PhD in human sexuality. I think that one thing that I've realized is the path isn't straight, and going down the path, I like I. I just kept picking up things where I'm like, oh, this would make sense for this degree. Oh, this would make sense. Oh, I can see how mm-hmm. I could incorporate that. So it's like studying psychology and biology. Those are things that I'm going to be studying um, in my doctoral program, studying social work and like doing all the diversity and inclusion work. Diversity and inclusion is a huge part of my human sexuality program because in order to be a good sex educator or um, a sex worker in any capacity, may it be doing the educational, the physical, or the actual research, you have to know that you can't You have to be culturally aware, culturally open, and culturally competent. So Mm -hmm. everything that I've done has just kind of added in. And then astrology really just gave me the language and Mm. a way to translate the information that I know into something that people can hold and people feel safer and more firm to holding. Mm. I feel like there's so much shame. Like there's this huge shame monster around sexuality that when you kind of disassociate, um, disassociate the words a little bit and kind of like, oh, you know, this because of Aries and this is the general vibe, people then have the tools to start unpacking their desires for themselves. Mm. You know, that's so interesting because you know, in some ways, astrology is such a very complex language art. And then, but then ironically, that's the language that you use to bring this very complex information about sexuality as something that people can understand. I think that's very, very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, no, it has been a journey. I feel as though I'm learning so much more. I took a pause on like doing as much sex centered content just because I feel like I, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are providing the most accurate information. So I'm very, very excited for the fall because um, my whole 
kind of agenda in getting this degree is to take what I'm learning and put it out there on the internet for people to know. Yeah. I want I want this information to be easily and readily accessible to anyone depending on their educational background. Everybody right. deserves to be able to unpack themselves. Everyone deserves to be able to heal and everybody deserves to have the information that affirms their identity. Hmm. Yeah, and you, you know, essentially I keep going back to Ficino, the Renaissance magician, or he did many things, but he felt that these arts such that you're practicing oftentimes were better understood by lay people because they weren't so mired in all the jargon and the theory, mm -hmm. but that, you know, so it's amazing. Like you're in a way you're bringing the stars to the people, this, you know, well, I, you're really doing a lot because what you're doing is in my opinion, the, all of this complex information about sexuality and human nature and psychology and all this stuff and then translating it through astrology and then bringing it to people you know the the falling of the stars the influenza so that's pretty cool stuff don't you think so it is extremely overwhelming and i have like constant anxiety because it's so easy to make a mistake and while I, you know, I, 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 hot take, but I don't think that cancel culture is as effective as people want to believe it is. Right. And I feel like it's hard to do all of that online because people, because people are so used to talking online, I feel like they don't always remember that context clues get so lost and skewed right. when you're talking online. So it's like, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to have the mm. darker conversations with people because the darker conversations a lot of my followers have expressed that has helped them that has healed them and has given them some like i guess some awareness and like some language that they didn't necessarily have and i feel like everybody should have freedom to have that but dark conversations really any conversation can be triggering and mm. i don't say that to be condescending i say that to say a trigger can be quite literally anything so then navigating around people's experiences is difficult and mm -hmm. trying to make sure that you're having enough context so you're not taken out of context it's a lot it is really big i feel the weight of it and i think that like in time it'll be easier i see an yeah. astrologer and he told me like you know you're really like you're gonna peak sometime probably around your saturn appear like saturn return mm -hmm. um after that it's gonna come in like you're gonna come into the light a lot more and i i feel like that was very affirming because it gives me the permission to realize that i'm still a student mm. Mm. so I, I definitely feel what you're saying in regards to bringing the stars. Even with the astrology community, people are intense. Like, if you say something I wrong. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's like, you know, and that one of the, um, yeah, it's, and I think this, well, why don't, um, why don't we get to that then? Because there, you, we can hardly agree on what astrology is. What What is, if you could define astrology, you know, what is it? Um, and then, and then, and I think that becomes not, for you or me, but people feel like they own astrology. Um, and then, oh, if it's this way, then you need to be doing it this way. And then my response would be, well, then that's called science. And then you need to do it on really hard statistics and you really have to go in and re you really can't do that. So, but then what, how do you define astrology for yourself and those who come around you? 
Astrology is the art and the method of applying nature mm. to have a deeper understanding of your life. Mm. It is a calendar system. So, like, when I do readings for older people, I try to be cognizant of, like, what was going on mm. when Pluto was right. in Leo? Like, why right. is it that y'all are like this? And how does that <laughs> impact you? <laughs> so, right. I, you know, it's both a calendar system and a method of applying nature to man or mm-hmm. man, like the material world, rather. Mm-hmm. And not even just the material world, but the spiritual world. But I try to keep it um, in the material world. I don't really do past life readings or anything like that. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I understand my own past lives enough to go and talk about somebody else's past lives. Right, right. So th- this is interesting. I thought that was very beautiful because, you know, oftentimes in the definition of astrology, nature is left out, which is kind of ridiculous. But (laughs) I mean, we kind of, you know what I mean? I think we kind of just think, oh, we're sitting here looking up at the stars, the stars are moving, the planets are, you know, da-da-da-da, okay, it's reflected down here on Earth. And that that does not take into account the complexity of nature and the cosmos. (laughs) But um, even as grand as what I just described was. But, you know, the next question is, what about, okay, because I, I spend so many years and hours thinking about this fate and free will. So you, looking through some of your stuff, you seem to take quite a view that, look, we have these cycles, they're happening, but we do have quite a bit of free will. Or c- could you talk a little bit about that fate and free will in the context of astrology? Absolutely. So, okay. um, golly, here I am, a Sagittarius, <laughs> referencing things they read every once in a while and then forgetting who wrote it. Ah! Okay. Um, so one study that I once read is that even if free will does not exist, humans need to believe that they have it. Mm. We all need something to believe in. So we mm. really, like, really, when you, like, sit down, I think that there's a solid case for fate. Like, there's a solid case that every single thing that has happened is happening because it was already planned. Like, how we as humans cannot conceptualize if fate actually exists or not. But mm. what we can conceptualize is free will. And when we do not have free will, we lose motivation to mm. some extent. Like, um, I don't believe that the word lazy exist. I mm-hmm. believe that lazy is just ironically a very lazy and ignorant way of <laughs> describing a lack of motivation. And mm-hmm. then it's like you have to then unpack where does the lack of motivation um where does it come from? Right. And I think that when we have a belief of free will that makes that gives us the opportunity to grow and I think it can also motivate us to grow. Like because like think about it. Like if you your whole entire life is just subjected to the stars and you are just a non consenting like witness to your own life, you're just gonna sit back and let life happen to you. And right. I think that for me, I do believe in free will, whether it exists or not, because it at least makes me feel like I am steering my life. And I think it's mm. very important for humans to feel that. That is such an interesting viewpoint and one, you know, I hadn't really heard articulated like that. Um, and, I, you know, it's ironic. The best I can come up with, you know, in response to what you're saying is maybe there is so much of fate, but then ironically, when we acknowledge that there is this massive force of fate, then we do have some control. Does that make sense? Or does that sound about right to you? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. And, 
you know, I, again, I, and I feel like it's a very, I, I feel like it's very easy to tell. I have like a lot of Jupiter influence in my chart. <laughs> Literally, the Sagittarius Sun, Pisces, Saturn. Like, I think that, uh, and I feel like this word might make people feel uncomfortable. I feel like that's really where religion kind of like comes from. It's like. I feel like religion is man taking these supernatural or taking this reality that man cannot completely conceptualize and trying to have some say over it, say, have some say over their lives, have some organization, make some sense. I, I feel like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know that if in my lifetime we will ever know if fate or free will actually exist. And I don't know that it really matters. Mm. I think, for me, the way that I go through my life is I have, I constantly practice faith. I constantly am aware that I am not always in control and I can only control what I have. So I, I think it's a very like balanced thing. Like I believe that there are some things that are completely out of our control. Like for example, I have limited free will. Like if anyone wanted to come from behind me right now and like, sure like I don't know kidnap me I can't control that like I can only control my response to that so mm -hmm. we definitely have limited free will you know it's actually interesting you should bring that up because uh, another person who is you know she's going to be she's on the podcast is Tracy Story and she has she, she's you know in a different way like you very very interesting unique work with astrology but she came, she told me a phrase, and I'm not sure if it's original to her, but master your destiny. And that has to do with, as you say, like spiritual ritualistic practice. And that gets into sixth house stuff, which is like your daily routines. And, you know, really, that's what you can control. So if you, you can place a modicum of control on some of that stuff, and that can actually, it's not really sexy, but it can yield really big results when you think about it, the, de mm -hmm. the nitty gritty details without being, you know, sort of a control freak Virgo like me at times, you know, that, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, wow, that's an amazing answer. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, I want to, let's get, cause we're, t you know, Let's get into some of your writing, okay? So this was what really got me loving your stuff. And it's it's an essay, it's Jupiter and Capricorn 2020. It's on your website, Black Women Cry, but it's about Daddy Jupiter. And the first thing I thought of, well, first of all, I loved this. I was just laughing so hard. I loved it. And I thought it was so good. And I thought of the famous poem by Sylvia Plath, Daddy, which is very interesting because I want to use this hopefully as an applied moment to see where maybe she was in the early 60s and how she had to, in her own way, try to take her power. But what you're talking about with Jupiter and Capricorn and what we kind of need to do. So this is I'm just going to read a few lines of Daddy by Sylvia Plath. And then if you don't mind, I'd like to read a few words from your essay, if that's OK. Of course. OK, so this is this is Daddy by Sylvia Plath. Daddy, you do not do you do not do any more black shoe in which I've lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring, barely daring to breathe or a chew. Daddy, I've had to kill you. You died before I had time, marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal. So, wow. I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff and pretty... I've lived, in, lived underneath your shoe and I had to take it. Just yeah. hold that. Okay, so we got that. And then let's 
let's read uh, what you had to say about, you know, daddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is Jupiter and Capricorn in 2020. And this, you can get this on your website, Black Women Cry. Uh, it's, it's on there. Okay. Daddy Jupiter is in Capricorn, which means it's time to go work. And that's spelled W-E-R-Q. Zaddy doesn't want no excuses. You either start shit or you're going to get left. Jupiter in Sagittarius was wonderful and ushered in a lot of fun little opportunities and lucky moments. Capricorn is a cardinal earth sign, and if you've ever met a Capricorn, then you know what the beep work looks like. Seriously, they really don't care about your excuses. Daddy Cappy is ruled by Saturn, which is some big reap what you sow energy, so you better plant them seeds. In December and January, expect some intriguing little surprises Jupiter will be making a trine to Uranus and Taurus. And, you know, for people, Uranus is the planet of unexpected surprises. So you never know what can happen. Remember, life is only subjectively good or bad, which means you have the power to take whatever life gives you and transform it. So I was really moved when I was just elated and laughing when I read that. And then do you have any thoughts about, you know, Sylvia Plath versus what you're writing? Any kind of initial thoughts about the contrast between those two? Because I I saw some contrast, but I want to get your take on it, obviously. So, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Sylvia Plath was half German, half Jewish. Yes. And it, it gets onto that into the into the rest of the poem but yeah yeah no and her father was a nazi soldier i think yes i think so okay so i one automatic like thing that i see in this is very much i feel like with sagittarius jupiter it's very easy to stumble upon just the right opportunities Mm -hmm. whereas um capricorn jupiter it's very much like you don't stumble like you work towards like right you are mean to some extent it's like while it's cardinal i feel like capricorns i see them start up a lot of things and have to maintain them and have to keep them going and have to keep building into them so i feel like there's very much this like energy that is kind of demand like in all the planets really like um saturn is going to retrograde back into capricorn but i feel like with people Mm specifically people who were born during the um, Neptune-Uranus conjunct in Capricorn to a lot of millennials, um, I feel like what they're going to come to realize is how they have to take authority by their own hands and become Mm -hmm. authority. I feel like to some, I feel like Jupiter and Capricorn is going to be a lot of people's coming to age periods. And I Mm -hmm. also feel like the poem um, Daddy by Sylvia Path, like, her father died and it's like how do you take the nuance the nuance of knowing that your father would have had you kind of killed like you know and kind of how do you then like move from probably like the internalized self-hatred and like kind of the imposter syndrome and all these like negative themes that make you question your own ability to be an authority not only just in your life but in life in general I, I think that that's kind of themes that people are hashing over right now with Jupiter and Capricorn. It's like right. we have this coronavirus. We have this election where people are very freaked out about what the outcome of this is going to be. A lot of people are losing their jobs, being laid off. So it's like, what do we do now? How do we create businesses now? How do we take um, our systems now? And there's just huge kind of like discord between millennials 
not even really millennials. Like, I feel like it's really between Generation Z and boomers. And Mm -hmm. boomers just assume that everybody younger than them is, like, a millennial. But with millennials, (laughs) I feel like we're very much in the middle, much more in the middle than people give us credit for, um, of, like, trying to, like, Scorpio, Pluto generation. A lot of us are kind of at this place where we're like, okay... I can't sit in the shadows anymore, but what does coming into the light look like? Mm, right. Yeah. Wow. Now I, I think, I think the thing that I take from the, it's like being in a p- position of submission, but then understanding what power is and then taking it. Um, so the thing that I liked about daddy Jupiter, it does take sort of a fun, you know, like I can do this, you know, I've got this one type energy to it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was an interesting contrast for me to read those two. And I thought very informative and fun, especially from, from your, you know, perspective. So you just let, let's, uh, I mean, we could just talk all day about this, but let's, let's talk a little bit about, so the, you know, 2020, obviously a big year astrologically you had talked about. So right now, literally pretty much this weekend, um, Saturn dipped into the sign of Aquarius and just to help people along. So planets, they move through signs and Aquarian energy is very, very different than Capricorn energy. So, and Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. So we're getting very, very different energies. Um, and Saturn is going to be in Aquarius. Do you, I don't have my ephemeris. How, how, it's like not that long, but then it's, it's going to, it goes back into Capricorn. And then at the end of the year, it goes into Aquarius. So could you talk a little bit about that cycle? Like we're getting maybe a dip into the future, but then we're going to go back. And then at the end of 2020, we're really, we're really getting into the future. I think that what we're seeing right now with the way that the planets are moving, and I just want to put emphasis on the importance of retrogrades. I feel like people are like, oh, shucks, another retrograde. <laughs> like, Thank God. Thank goodness that we have these retrogrades that help <laughs> us like pick up our steps because, oh, my God. Literally, right. <laughs> 2020 has been a mess. It's been a very right. intriguing mess, but we've also gotten a lot done. And I feel like when the planets are moving direct all the time, it's very easy to gloss right. over your major achievements. So right. when you retrograde black backwards, backwards, <laughs> when you retrograde backwards, um, and specifically with Capricorn, Saturn moving from um, Capricorn into Aquarius, you're now getting this like this call for like, and we see it quite literally for social distance for detaching from issues so you can actually fix them in an objective fashion. I think that, I think that one thing that um, when I think about Capricorn energy and Aquarius energy and the difference between them, I think that they both are very influenced by authority figures. The difference is I think Capricorn is kind of like the child that wants to appease his parents and high perform to kind of prove Mm. to his parents. Whereas Aquarius kind of seeks their grandparents and elders to kind of give them like Mm. insight and so forth. I feel like Mm. Aquarius is a big part of the reason why they sometimes feel out of place is because maybe they come from a different culture, just like a different time. They were raised Mm. maybe by older people or like in an obscure 
situation. Capricorn, mm. I feel like, has maybe not always the most traditional upbringing, but there were definitely... I feel like both signs can be conservative, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I feel like Capricorn has an easier time blending in with the mainstream as where Aquarius doesn't. And Aquarius, because I, when you think about older people, older people are like the people who are like, oh, I want to live off the grid. I don't want to be like, ah, like mm. this happened back in my mm. day. And I think very much of that for Aquarius. So I feel like with Saturn going into Aquarius, I hope that what that brings is more conversations with older people because mm. I feel like a lot of, I've been called a boomer. Like I, yeah. I made this whole, like, um, and mind you, I'm 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. no way a boomer. I wasn't even yeah. alive when boomers are being, born. <laughs> but, um, I made this post about like kind of things that like Sagittarius, um, Pluto and Scorpio Pluto could learn from. I feel like one thing that, um, I feel like one thing that Scorpio Pluto could really learn from is how to be open to telling their stories. Mm -hmm. Because I think um, a lot of Scorpio Plutos have come across Virgo Plutos who... Virgo Plutos and Leo Plutos, I think that would be the parent range where it's like they may not have felt like they could shine in their own particular way. So they go into the shadows. And I think it's time for my generation to come out the shadows, like I've said before. With Sagittarius Pluto, I feel like this is the generation where they are so smart. They're so Mm -hmm. smart. They're well read. They like really try to look at things from so many different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And... I th- and I think they also keep this like fun lovingness like this mm-hmm. like very like joy to vive kind of mm-hmm. energy I think where they can learn and I say this with all the love possible as a Sagittarius humility is something that I have had to learn time and time again <laughs> realizing that just because I may be right doesn't really mean that I understand the nuances of a situation mm-hmm. and and I think that's where, like, mentoring is so important. And I, I, I kind of feel like there are some people from that generation who want that. Um, mm. But, of course, like, there are some older people who can be very condescending. And then there, I just see, like, to some extent with this generation coming up, like, just a general disrespect for older people. Like, mm. not really realizing that with age does come a nuance, like, a perspective. Like, of course, old people don't know everything. But it's like when you're on the earth for... 30 40 50 right. years you're learning something a little bit deeper than like what a 25 year old a 20 year old and a 16 year old can even begin to conceptualize so i hope that with um with saturn and aquarius people realize that it takes a community to improve a world and when you have a community that means talking to your community members and also learning how to be respectful even if you don't agree with them and i feel like both Sagittarius, I think Sagittarius Pluto and Scorpio Pluto are going through that journey of learning and they're going to continue going through that um, journey of learning how to deal with authority. Because when you think about people who have natal Saturn Aquarius, they struggle with authority too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, I, I think that we're going to see some very <laughs> interesting transitions in regards to transference of authority, transference of power, mm-hmm. and also community building. Um, mm-hmm. One little prediction that I'm kind of concerned about, I don't know if you remember, um, I can't remember what the transits were, but um, the Stop Online Privacy Act 
and um, there were just a bunch of like acts um, that were proposed and never made it through to kind of like con kind of give government, if I'm not mistaken, more understanding or more freedom to kind of dig into what is being put online. Uh, some people felt like it was going to censor the internet. Right. I think with Aquarius, Saturn, because Saturn symbolizes boundaries and Aquarius symbolizes community, your larger community, and even the internet, we could see some like boundaries being put on how we interact with our community. And that right. could just look like the social distancing that we're already seeing, or it can go as extreme as literal rules on how you can go about the internet. Yeah, you know, this was one of the things I had brought up in some of the, when I was sending you the notes, but some of the, you know, it can go, we, we don't know how these things will manifest. I mean, immediately for me right now, I mean, I, you know, I mean, probably somewhat similar to you, you know, work from online at home. So this isn't necessarily that abnormal for me, but it has actually pushed me to, you know, I'm like, all right, you know what, I got to get the podcast going and all this stuff. So I'm able to really, and Aquarius is technology. So really have some great connections on, I, I mean, really, and you brought it up before, like the online thing can get insane. People, it's just a straight emotional reaction. There's no thought behind it. But but then when you really connect with people over like, okay, I was really liking the writing on your website with, you know, Daddy Jupiter. I was like, okay, this is great. You know what? can I get six on? And it was like, yeah, oh my God, this is great. So, I mean, there's, there are ways that even if you are like, it, it shifts the awareness, which is very Aquarian to like, okay, like stop. And, you know, it's, and again, like, you know, Saturn's going to retrograde again, but it's like, okay, so then we have to go back over it. So yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Um, uh, I've been there, you know, I got to tell you, and I know you were, that's why you were a little hesitant too. The predict, there's so many predictions flying around. And I think, you know, hopefully one thing to, ex at least that I extrapolate from this interview is so much of what we express as human beings, whether it's sexually or whatnot, it's what we see outside is at least in a large part a, ref a reflection of what's happening from within. So this, I see it as a symbolic opportunity to reflect upon well and you had brought this up too just like sitting and knowing oneself in that context which just that is lost on our culture right now <laughs> like mm -hmm. that we do not sit and read or you know that's not really what's emphasized so no this, absolutely and i yeah. think it's very important for people honestly it, the fact that there's I, I, I empathize with people not wanting to be told what to do. Sure. I empathize with people not wanting to socially distance for that reason because that could symbolize a lack of control. But it's like it's very important for us to sit down and like think logically. Like maybe like while we are socially distancing for an indefinite amount of time, like that does not mean that you are trapped. Like in this time, yes. you really should be working on yourself. Like you, it's like yes. people like literally. It's like for me. And I, I like I remember people would be like, oh, if you're depressed or if you're anxious, you should try mo yoga and meditation. And I would just be like, when I go to school, I work two internships, like right. I'm trying to figure out my life, like yeah. I have no time. And it's like now we have this extended period of time right. where it's like take up like I talk to some people and it's like they really have to stop and think what their hobbies are they have to stop and right. think which book did they last read for pleasure like I've right. been really 
forcing myself during this time and it, it could be like my I have a natal Saturn in the fourth so in mm. Pisces but my fourth house is in Aquarius so as the Saturn Aquarius has like been like kind of building up mm. I feel like it's really called me to focus on myself so I would really advise people like look yeah, at yeah. where Saturn is in your chart and figure out the themes of that and spend that time in social isolation or social distancing like kind of understanding that section of your chart start working on it like saturn is always going to hint in my opinion to where you can start addressing your boundaries identifying your boundaries unpacking why you have the boundaries that you have understand that maybe you need to develop new boundaries not just for others but for yourself maybe you're Mm -hmm. infringing upon other people's Mm -hmm. like boundaries and what makes them feel safe there's so much work that could be done and i think it's hard because when you sit down and you think thoughts come up and sometimes people aren't comfortable with the thoughts that come up they can't even conceptualize what it means to let their brain go numb because that could be a very uncomfortable feeling for them right okay so we have very little time but i want to do two last things um i like this idea of where is saturn in your chart so let's do like a rapid fire between the two of us if you have saturn in this house and then i want to go through each sign quickly what is your like okay aries did it here's your like love life kind of stuff all right so all right, all so right here, this is gonna be right, fun we, okay so all right saturn in the first house it, given the and this is all in the context of like kind of what's happening now but you, you what what is saturn what do you think saturn your first house I think that if you've had Saturn in your 12th house during Saturn um, Capricorn and now it's moving into your first house, you've had to really think about how you've been your own worst enemy. And now those traits are starting to kind of point focus on you and what you can do and how you present yourself. So now it's going to be a really big self-development period for you. So start like really understanding, are you a rebel with a cause or are you just rebelling to rebel? Like, are you countercultural because you actually align with those values? Are you fitting in with the community? Have you developed your community? And how do you like, what do you give to your community? A lot of conversations around that. Okay. All right. We got to go a little bit quicker. All, <laughs> all right. right. So, let's go. so Saturn, Saturn second house. What do we think? Saturn second. Really think about your values. Think about the things right. that are important to you. Get rid of stuff if you need to. Get new right. stuff if you need to as well. Okay. Third house. Um, develop how you express yourself. Maybe you need to work on your writing or your editing or your speech. Really stop and think. Are you getting the point that you want to get across? Across. Okay, fourth house. Um, now you might start be thinking about like how you can de- develop your home. Maybe you need mm-hmm. to develop boundaries with your family. Maybe your family, it's like very community oriented, but now you kind of need your own space to explore. That could be a theme. Right. Okay, fifth house. Fifth house. Maybe you struggle to have the pleasure that you want to because you're scared that people might judge you for it Mm. now is the time to think about what is pleasurable for you how you can give yourself space to do that and also maybe how to like create boundaries so you're doing it safely as well okay good six house Six house, literally working on your daily routines and health. Maybe mm-hmm. like you have health issues that have gone ignored. Maybe you don't brush your teeth and now you're having he- mouth <laughs> issues and you got to do about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, seventh house. 
Um, literally sitting down and looking at how you go about relationships and maybe how you disrespect mm. other people's boundaries in those relationships mm. or how you can better have your boundaries respected in relationships. All right. Eighth house. <laughs> um, maybe you might struggle to go about sharing intimacy with others. Mm. Maybe you feel like you're constantly never truly understood. Mm. Maybe finding that community that does give you that is important or finding the way to get that is important this year. Okay, ninth house. Um, perhaps you've always struggled with school or higher learning, mm. or just even like feeling like you always kind of like want to go somewhere else so you can maybe find where you fit in. Perhaps you might do that this year. I think there's going to be a lot of learning that's going to occur for those people. Okay, tenth house. Um, being more honest about the career and legacy that you want, like stop mm. trying to follow mm. in the footsteps of what you think you're supposed mm. to. Be. I like that's a really good one. I like that. Okay, eleventh house. Uh, realizing that not everybody needs to be in your space and becoming mm -hmm. more peculiar about who you let in. Especially, mm -hmm. like, especially sit down and think about. All right, can you do like? Can you invite people and be authentically yourself, or are you going to be judged? If you're going to be judged, you may not need those people in your life. Right. I mean, and, you know, look, Saturn in the 11th, that is basically this moment. I mean, you know, social isolation. So, OK. And then Saturn in the 12th house. Interestingly, I do have my natal Saturn in the 12th house. So, okay. um, yeah. So that what are your thoughts on Saturn 12th house? I from my understanding of Saturn 12 is it can kind of bring certain boundaries and kind of keep you grounded. Mm -hmm. um, I think that now is the time where you. What, where the 12th house kind of points is to things that you may not see that are your own undoing and as well right. as your spirituality. I right. think that Saturn, Saturn in Aquarius for you is going to be a period of letting yourself go to the unconventional place and no yeah, longer yeah. running from Yeah. No, I can feel that definitely because it – like being especially Saturn 12th house can be isolation and you know self-imprisonment but I'm like well wait I'm here hey let me call up six let's do this da, da, da. you know what I mean there's so mm -hmm. when you just kind of look around for a minute you can see the opportunity so um yeah all right I think we'll, we'll leave it at that but is there anything else you know you got coming up anything else uh you want to say you know people should you know, you got going on or, hey, like, I mean, you know, like I said, the w website is Black Women Cry. Uh, what's your, you know, any any other stuff you want people to know that you got coming up or? Yes, of course. So my website is www.blackwomencry. My Instagram and my Twitter and my YouTube are all Black Women Cry. Uh, if you are interested in reading my horoscopes, you can check out my horoscopes on Clona Willie dot com they are super fun to do i Wait, also i'm sorry could you could you spell that for people how do you which which one is that clona willy so okay. they are um a sex apparatus provider so okay. clone c l o n e a w i l l y and then if you're going on their instagram k-i-t so clona willy kit and the post uh, okay. are posted okay. monthly okay um I have a few pieces coming out of Bustle. And really, if you want to okay. stay updated on my latest work, it's best to just follow me on Twitter or Instagram or even subscribe to my okay. newsletter. You can find that on my website. And I think okay. the last thing I would tell people to check out is Astrology Sucks. It is a podcast that I'm co a co-host on. And okay. I hope that we can have you on soon. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'm very, very honored to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'd love to, you know, come on and, you know, what we got inner makeup going with, you know, sexuality and life and how it can really unlock things for people. Just their, you know, sort of stuff we're talking about. Um, but thank you so much, Six. Um, so this is Dan Beck signing off from the Star Love Podcast. And remember, if you love the stars, they'll love you back. On the next episode of the Star Love Podcast, we'll be featuring New Orleans number one psychic, Carrie Roy. We discuss Carrie's unique creative and spiritual upbringing, her Oprah singer parents, a childhood encounter with William F. Buckley Jr., and her quest to be the longest practicing psychic in New Orleans history. Thank you for listening, and please rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a future podcast, email james at innermakeup.net.